0: Hey guys, Montel here. Welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel, where we talk everything and anything cannabis, and I am really excited about today's guest. Today's guest is the founder and publisher of the award-winning lifestyle and health platform, The Fresh Toast. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to give it up for it. There's nobody giving it up for him but me, so I'm going to give it up for him. This is JJ McKay. JJ, thank you so much for being here. Thank you time. so much. And K- yay for you. You're fabulous. Oh my goodness, man. Thank you, sir. I- I've been excited about you know getting an opportunity to talk to you. You know, it's uh, before all of this madness, it was a fairly competitive field out there when you're talking about people that were providing information in this format in the world of cannabis. And you were one of, and really, I think, one of the, the brightest lights out there. How do you really distinguish yourself from some of the other platforms that are out there? But Before we even ask that, how did you even get fresh those started?
1: Well, it turns out that I was going through a career change And I have always been a builder and I've been a consultant, which was fun, but it didn't give me a chance to actually build anything. And a friend of mine was jumping into cannabis and was doing a product company and he said, you got to help me out. And he combined some companies together and I went and helped him. And after about six weeks, I thought, you know what? I'm not sure this is going to be a huge company, but where the gap is, is no one was really talking to the mainstream public. no company or media site had really engaged the average person. And while we laugh, or while we forget this now about Martha Stewart, what she did was revolutionary at the beginning is she didn't create the DIY movement. She got in front of those millions of people who are already doing crafts at home, helped them galvanize and move to a new level. And so I said, we can do that and we could do this for X amount of money. And thus came the fresh
0: Crazy though, but I think you hit a niche and you're absolutely right. I still think that even to today and especially right now, because you know the nation is so focused on the pandemic and we've kind of shifted all attention away from everything that's important in our daily life. I've always said, and I've been saying this for the last year straight, the biggest problem that the cannabis industry has faced in the last full year, and I think part of the reason for this discussion downsizing of the entire industry is because of lack of education, lack of information provided to the consumer. We've been doing, I think, a pretty good job of B2B, where we have all these conventions and all of these you know uh, uh, rallies going on across the country, two and three day seminars, where people talk to each other from a B2B standpoint on how to create a business. But they've left the consumer out and left the educational portion of it out. You and your fresh toast, that's what you're all about, is educating the consumer, correct? Yeah, I
1: I would 95% agree with that, Montel. Um, Part of it is that the industry is really run by an insular group that is madly in love with the plant. So it's really similar to a group of sommeliers trying to talk to people at Applebee's. And they don't really relate. Their passion for the plant doesn't relate to how the public really sees the plant. To the public, it's one tool in a toolbox. It's not the greatest gift that God has ever given them. And it's one tool in a toolbox
0: that has been denigrated for a hundred years. So, you know, our mission has to has to be, number one, I think re-educating and 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 reintroducing the entire concept of the plant to the masses who have gotten nothing but negative information. I mean, I'm shocked that, you know, over the course of the last three months, I've noticed that all a lot of the headway that was being made last year leading up to this pandemic crisis is kind of taking some steps back. Now, again, people are getting misinformation, misinformation like, you know, if you consume cannabis, you might make you more susceptible to the, you know, the infection from the coronavirus, which isn't true. There's no data that says that. Just like, you know, I think when we look back at, you know, the 2000 study that was commissioned by President Clinton, you know, I think it was a USC or, uh, or University of San Diego, where they studied and actually put out some information stating that they saw no connection between cannabis consumption and your possibility of getting lung cancer if you were a cigarette smoker. Like cannabis consumption didn't exacerbate cigarette smoking. As a matter of fact, there's one study that actually stated that cannabis in some ways kind of, and it's loosey-goosey what I'm saying here, but in some ways seemed to prevent lung cancer. I found that very interesting. I don't understand why anybody's not doing a study to see if maybe, you know, some of the cannabinoids might be, you know, an, a, an inhibitor to your infectious sensibility to this thing. I don't know. I'm saying that. Not only, but quote me saying, Montel well, said cannabis stops you from getting coronavirus. i didn't mean, that. What I'm saying is that we might see that the coating of the lungs with some of the cannabinoids might be a block to infectious disease. I don't know. Well, you know, um, we're a two-sided
1: company, and one side of what, or what we do is we work with 1.7 million healthcare professionals, including 800,000 physicians, which represent about 80, 000, uh, 80% of all physicians. So we're very clear in regular communication to them, cited studies that really work and provides data. And so for the medical community, we're really making a significant difference on how they're educated in a format that they like. It took us a year and a half to get this partnership. We were approved by multiple organizations for it, but we're very clear on them understand it from the consumer point of side. The industry needs to understand that this isn't a burning issue for ninety-nine point percent of the consumers. Just like those consumers don't want you to tell them where the wine came from and what strain and what vineyard and how it grew, they don't want the same thing from cannabis. They want to know what effect it'll have and what's the price. And that's how we approach it. You know, through our district, we syndicate to over hundred newspapers every day and have over 2 million readers every day. And we will grow that over the summer. And we do it in a way that engages them just like they would read about beer, bourbon, or wine.
0: Which is, I think, one of the most important things that we can do right now. And it's not just about the, what we call the adult use consumption. But I still think there's a lot of people out there that don't understand the medical benefit behind cannabis and cannabinoids. And the fact that, you know, we have an endogenous, uh, you know, uh, secondary sympathetic nervous system. That's the endocannabinoid system within our bodies as mammals. That's a system that actually reacts to cannabinoids. As much as we say that and we in the industry know that, the average person does not know that. They still believe that this is, you know, the devil's, you know, fungus. Well,
1: I, I don't know if I would go that far. So after the 2018 election, there was a big survey and it said about two thirds of America is willing to try medical marijuana if it becomes federally legal, which is still smaller than alcohol, but, you know, a significant number. The issue is you have to make it very turnkey. When you go into a Publix in Florida or a Kroger or a Fairway in the Northeast, you know, people buy wine and beer based on two things. If they, or several things, if they know it, so they, you know, the number one beer in America is Bud Light. The number two is Miller Lite against anything. What's the price and what's the label? You know, give it to them in easy things. What the industry forgets is this is a consumer-driven economy. And you have to really go for the average consumer if you're going to wind up. If you're going to be the McDonald's or the Walmart and sell lots and lots and lots of product, and lots and lots and lots of people buying your product, you have to go meet them where they are, not force them to meet you where you are.
0: And unfortunately, because the way we have now, we got the 30, what is it, we're now up to 37 states. Do you know? It's 37 states and the District of Columbia all have individual separate laws regulating how we distribute this product. And all of them have individual separate laws down to the individual municipality in the states as how you package it. Some of them have made it so daunting to package a product that it's almost a waste of time trying to buy it. I mean, you got to rip through six different things to get to the product. You know, you get tired of it, it's hell. I'll just go have a glass of wine instead. So, um, you know, until we reach a point where we can, again, I think it's through education because the consumer will be the one that drives this issue at the legislative level. They will say enough is enough.
1: And um, we work closely with Brookings. Um, and they did a big study after the two thousand eighteen, or right before two thousand eighteen uh, election, and unfortunately, while a majority of Americans want cannabis to be legal, it is not in those top five things that drive voters and get them passionate. It's not healthcare. It's not the economy. It's not senior. It's not Medicaid. It's not. It's not immigration. It's not something that voters get overly excited about. They'll sign a petition. They'll sign up on a poll, but you're not going to have a march on the Capitol of any significant numbers that will do anything. Most likely, the easiest way that will put pressure on uh, Congress is the after effects of this shutdown and states having ginormous holes in their economy and that they need that tax. Um, they need that tax income to be able to provide some relief.
0: But 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 thinking about that now, when we say they need that tax income, that's like the state of New York. I mean, put a twenty-five and thirty percent tax on the top of cannabis product is really ridiculous. This shouldn't be taxed at some level or some some you know pull it out of the sky. You know, let's just try to make up for our deficit using cannabis. You drive it right back to the black market where it's being driven to in California, and then we have the same issue that we had you know, seven or eight years ago, nine years ago, where people were angry because there's a black market. Well, when you look at
1: Colorado, they did low taxes and they have, they have eliminated 90% of their black market. And Hickam Looper went into it, disliking the industry and now has become a champion. Washington came in and put extremely high uh, taxes on it. People flooded the market as it opened. And then they eventually went back to their dealers for two reasons. It was cheap and they knew the product because it's too confusing to go into a store if you're a casual user. And then California is just making a ginormous mess of it. And it will be another year or two before they can get their act together. But ultimately, you want to
0: sell more so you can get more. Right. Well, you know, so, so when you just said that it'll be another year or two, I mean, it's going to probably take us, you know, anywhere from six to eight months to get out of this pandemic noise. Uh, it may even take us longer than that, especially if we have what people think is going to be a second round of, you know, um, uh, major infections uh, in the fall. So crystal ball for me. I mean, what do you think we're going to start even being able to introduce the conversation of cannabis again to make it something that people even want to talk about? First quarter of 21, well, the
1: conversation will be up because there's two big things. You're going to have a new election. So either you have Biden, who's president,
0: who, who, is, is, who has been our really, you know, a, a thorn in the side for the cannabis movement, honestly. But
1: is slowly moving that way because the majority of the, because it's polling show, America wants it. So I'm not sure it'll be illegal, but within 21, that'll happen. And you're going to have a lot of states who need to figure it out. And you're going to, and they're going to be looking at a golden opportunity. And once interstate commerce is done in a limited way, say the East Coast or the West Coast corridor, you'll be able to see a stronger effect. Now, there's some people in industry who want this to remain illegal for another three to four years so they can grow bigger and keep the big boys like a Philip Morris and Archer Daniel Midland from coming into the market.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step by step every single week.
0: Which is also another scary thing for me. I'm going to tell you from a you know I've been a medical consumer and I, I look at it from a medicalized standpoint, but I fear the fact that when you get big industry in it, they could care less about. Medicine—they just want to be able to produce a product, get it on the shelves, and get it out there and get it sold, which doesn't pay attention to some of the research that's being done and has been was being done around the world. I mean, the research and literally is trying to finally figuring out the fact that you know, if we take a look at not only you know the individual cannabinoids that we know of, but you know, we start to really do a genetic function on the entire planet. I mean, we know that now. some people claiming there's at least 166 cannabinoids that are there and then we have the terpenes and we have the fats and you know lipids that all play a synergistic effect on the plant we're going into this mode where you know there was a period of time where everybody's trying to figure out how high a thc level can we push this plant to which is really like a process that was going around in the 60s oh yeah once it becomes federally
1: legal the big boys also, we'll have the resources to do two amazing things. People will people will feel much, much more comfortable purchasing medical marijuana at Walgreens and Dwayne Reed and CVS than they do from a store that's selling recreational. And two, they'll be much more comfortable purchasing it at recreational and a Target and a Kroger and a Publix because that's where they get beer, wine, and bourbon. And so you're going to see a boom in the consumer market, but you'll also see all the pharma pharma companies and the next level down health wellness type of stuff will begin seeing that there's a lot of other opportunities right now in the, you know, one of the things in the medical industry is because it's all divided by States in Canada is there is an inconsistency of product. So doctors feel that even if they want to prescribe, they can't, they can't be sure about the product from not only, you know, label to label, but from month to month, there's no re- insurance reimbursement and there's no malpractice. Coverage. Once it becomes federal legal, all that will happen and you will see a boom of, it will become another opportunity like aspirin or ibuprofen, and you'll see a bigger chance of it. So the market will mushroom at that point.
0: Good. Well, you know, and I think
1: now- it- Three
0: or four years from that point too. Three, about three or four years from that point. Yeah, because I'm, th- I'm wondering, you know, again, as I sit back and I try to communicate to you know the masses out there and trying to make them understand that there are some of us who actually try to use it daily for a medical reason. I'm looking at trying to impact my endocannabinoid system, it's be- impacting my cellular homeostasis, making cells are operating at the premium level. And I'm looking for those things that are components of the plant that seem to have now been at least categorized and studied enough to be able to identify what those impacts are. I've been taken aback though, I'm here in Florida in a state where, you know, you can get a lot of product, but a lot of the product isn't really as good as people claim it to be. You know, a lot of stuff is labeled one way and then when you try to try it, you realize that they just, they're they just playing a game here.
1: Oh, there's CBD, we've done some stories called the scandals of the industry there are CBD companies that have sold CBD across the country and it's had no CBD stuff in it. Right. And so, you know, the other good thing about legalization is the FDA will step in, which will be a boon and a minus for some companies in the industry. Some companies like not having to adhere to that because they, it's a little bit of a wild West.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now let's start talking about now when you in, in the fresh toast, do you, Are you going to kind of identify a medical channel and then a consumer channel or are you just kind of keeping things well together? We did that already. So so we're a media
1: content company. One side is digital. We create the most content in the cannabis industry every week and push it out to over 200 plus newspapers. And then, and it covers anything from some cannabis business and legislative, cannabis like recreational use and then medical use. And we get a lot of traffic on stories of how to relax, how to sleep better, especially right now in the middle of this lockdown. And then on the flip side, we develop, you know, these are medical stuff is highly cited by outside researchers, respected scientists and teaching institutions. And then we train that group. We'll eventually grow to where we have two categories that you can go to, uh, depending on what you want. But as we all know, most people get there every day, beginning wellness health medical diet whatever information from the today show from us today from people from ellen you know they get it from that stuff and then then we go so we're the first line that engages the consumer
0: that's great do you plan on expanding out I you going into a, a video or a visual medium where you know you're you have a fresh toast tv show i'd love to be one of your hosts on there or, or fresh toast channel i've always you're thought that we're starting to do videos now, I've always thought that we should have a CNN Canada's news network where somebody could tune in every day and get the latest and greatest information. And Montel, have you ever seen that for wine or beer?
1: No. And wine and beer are a whole lot more popular than cannabis. So not a good business model. Gotcha. Gotcha. I understand. But at the same time, I, I have people pitching me all the time, but look, you have to compare it to comparables, you know, roughly. 50 million people use cannabis in the United States once a year. 232 million use alcohol at least once a year. So if it, if you don't see a comparable in the alcohol industry, it's not going to work for cannabis.
0: Well, you know, now the, the Anthony Bourdain model of television did work in the food industry. You know I mean? And what did people watch? Did they watch
1: Anthony Bourdain or did they actually pay attention to the food? It was all about Anthony Bourdain right. and Paula Dean.
0: Right, absolutely. Well I think this industry is yeah is rife for the opportunity for a a branded you know information program that would then you know bring on the masses and bring them into the table and have them look especially if you can present really good information. And I'm, I'm you know I'm thinking where do you go right now? I mean like, again we're in the middle of this pandemic people are focused on in another direction. How do we bring them back to make them understand that cannabis could be a part of their daily use?
1: Well, but here's the thing. you know, all the analytics shows that people are using cannabis as a way to cope with this. And you know, before the shutdown, what we were seeing in California is beer usage the first part of the week was down and cannabis was up. So instead of going home at night and having two or three beers, which includes calories, a little burping, Feeling full, they would do a couple of puffs and get the same effect without the same downside. So, right now during this time, we're seeing people who are using this to manage their anxiety, manage their sleep, chilling out when they have to be with people they don't want to be because they're stuck with them for eight weeks at a time. And what you see is you're seeing a quiet normalization that this is now part of people's routine. Oh, I'm using this to sleep. We get lots of response on sleep issues because. They don't want to suddenly have to get opioids they can't go to their doctor to get a fresh prescription and this is a better more natural way because we all know you're not supposed to take nyquil as a sleep aid
0: right right yeah and i I would bet that once we come out of this there will be more and more people who will now remember their experience while locked up and were locked in and go ahead and continue that usage but you just brought up something very interesting even before this this we were seeing, you know, the, the entire industry kind of constrict a little bit. I mean, you know, many companies would suffer big, huge stock price losses. And uh, what do you think that was attributed to? That was people trying to play the stock market. So you had, you
1: know, we, we wrote about this, right, as Canada went legal. You had a lot of companies that right before they were, went legal were worth $5, $10, 15000000000 billion based on the CEO and a PowerPoint and promises. And at the end of the day, they couldn't deliver. So that's why you see a Tilray or um, an Aurora whose stock has dropped is because they can't deliver on these outrageous promises they made early on. And now they're having to come into the face. Now, when America becomes legal, you're going to see another big sweep up and a drop because once outdoor grow becomes common, all the indoor grow will go away because it's too expensive. So, you know... And we're also, you know, in states where commodity prices were here and it's now here because it you needed to match consumer and demand. You had more growers
0: than you had buyers. Now, I mean, and also, again, before this whole pandemic, we were starting to see a kind of a really solid differentiation between the hemp products and the cannabis products. I say that being they the understanding that they're both the same, but What do you think is going to be the impact once we get out of this pandemic between the two again?
1: So hemp is going to come into its own. THC will be its own and CBD will own and they will be robust industries. You know, three years ago, CBD wasn't a conversation. Now it's CBD water, CBD oil, CBD essence. And because of the way it's regulated, it's out there a lot quicker. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at drugstores.
0: And they, but they have stopped you from being able to promote it as a CBD product. That's why now all of a sudden it's this broad spectrum hemp product, which it really should be. Because if people understood, though CBD was identified, it's not the end to all. I mean, you know, you've got CBG right now. You have you know CBN, CBDV. You have several different variants to this that really should be incorporated. So the broader spectrum hemp product is a more important product, I think. To the consumer than just a CBD product, but how do we get to educate you? We need people like you to help educate the consumer
1: to understand that. And we do that. We do at least twice a month. We do stories. The CBD you bought is probably fake. Right. And we, and we are quick to call those out because at the end of the day, we feel you're on the side of the consumer.
0: Great. Absolutely. And I think the consumer needs, you know, the fresh toast to make sure that they can get the information that they need to make a good, positive choice for their family. How do you feel? Like you know, again, understanding that right now people are locked in, and some of them are secretly consuming, others are are consuming and letting their friends know. But and again, the discussions aren't going on. I don't see a lot of them happening. You know, uh, some some basic discussions online, but not a lot of them happening. How do we get people to? Literally come up and step up to the plate and say, look, you know what? This is what got me through the last eight weeks of lock-in. Well, people are having that
1: conversation about sleep. But if you really, once again, let's do a comparable. Most people aren't sharing how much wine they're drinking. Right. You know, There was a big survey that just said 41% of people, adults locked in, have now been started drinking some during the, during the workday that's a big change and so people are people are very anxious and so what you're going to see is when it comes out you'll have people who didn't gain as much weight because they used cbd or thc recreational to be able to um relax and so you're going to people will people will talk about it because everyone will want to
0: share their story absolutely i think you're absolutely right but we need we got to give them an outlet to share it with, not just, you know, in print, but we got to give an outlet, I think visually, to share that kind of information. That's why I come back to, you know, I'm I'm pushing really hard to see if we can make, let's be blunt, you know, a national program where, you know, people get an opportunity to tune in on a daily basis or weekly basis and get that information in, in, in a fun and exciting way. There's a lot of celebrities who are now actually finally stepping up to the plate to admit their cannabis use. Oh yeah, and we do
1: we do that so about every other weekend we do a story about a celebrity that smokes or not that people wouldn't know a Katy Perry, a Meghan Markle, etc.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now, what do you think um, do you think the stigma is going to change again once we open up? The stigma is already
1: changing. Look, two years ago Fox News talked about how it was more popular, and now they cover cannabis like it's. Like it's the auto industry or if it's pharmaceutical industry, they look at it more from a financial point of view now than as a sin point of view. You know, we will we are in the casino, liquor, tobacco, porn industry. And it's there's money to be made, and that's a big part of it. You know, people don't realize, and we share this all the time. You no, know, Pornhub is the 15th largest website in the country. It's better yes. than
0: Walmart and Target. Yeah, which is insane to me, and no yeah. one's willing to admit it. Nobody, nobody will admit the fact that they go up on Pornhub, but it's the largest search, you know, website there is in the country. huge.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. and the number one website is Google, followed by Yahoo. So when you think of Google and then
0: Pornhub, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot of people. How do I? I'd love to be able to figure out how we get that same number of people discussing cannabis, especially since that number of people are now probably trying it out, you know? But, you know, you bring up a good thing
1: is when we talk about Google is, we show up in the Chicago Tribune, the Orlando Sun Sentinel, the South Florida, uh, the Orlando Sentinel or the South Florida Sun Sentinel, the Miami Herald. We show up in these papers where the consumer's at and people aren't freaked out by it. They consume the knowledge. So people are accepting it more and more every day. Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. So now give me, give me your crystal ball for the next, mm, the next year. I mean, anything, first off anything exciting or new coming down the pike that you want to talk about?
1: Well, we have some things coming down, you know, we are, um, we continue to grow. Uh, we have a expansions on the digital, which is our consumer facing side and expansion on our medical side that will make us a very valuable robust company. Um, what we're going to see is a lot of disruption in the cannabis industry. As it moves closer and closer to legalization and into legalization, you're going to see a lot of the shady players who fight it, a lot of the shaky players who fight it, and a lot of the small players who fight it. You know, for the consumer to be, to be able to pick up medical marijuana in Walgreens will be transformative for the industry and for the product side. For the small when, they go
0: to pick up, when they go to pick it up at Walgreens, will it be a prescribed product or will it be a nutraceutical type product? What do you it think? It'll be
1: more like a nutraceutical that they'll have to get the key for, like you do with vodka oh. or with um, opioids, opiates. So or Sudafed. Um, but once it does that, that will be transformative for the consumer and for the product company, but it'll be hard for the current retail system we've set up. And then when it goes into a Kroger or a Walgreens or a Total or a BevMo, then you're going to see another disruption in the industry.
0: And do you think Congress is looking at it that way or do you think you're still going to have the battle of, and again, I, I fear that, uh, you know, uh, though we may get a presidential change and get Biden in office, we're going to have, you know, 1970s attitude about cannabis follow him through the door. Weed will, weed will follow the same road
1: as tobacco and alcohol. And we'll always have that because it's considered a sin
0: product. Got it. So as a sin product though, again, I'm just, you don't, you don't think that they're going to try to push this under some sort of FDA rule. It,
1: well, it sh- well, all alcohol and Tabasco is under the FDA also. Right. And it's, that's, you know, you can't go into, you can't have mass intoxicants going out to the public from a Walgreens or a Kroger or a Befmo without the FDA saying this is actually what's in it. You can't do that for sardines or for peaches. So we need that because when I take a, when you take an edible, which is the least popular way of doing it, or you take a vape, you want to know what's you want to be able to rely that the vape, you know, the Montel vape I bought in January is the same the exact same experience as the Montel vape I bought in May.
0: Right. Absolutely. Or at least have it identified if, in fact, it's a little different or a little stronger or a little stronger. And, you know, again, I think that that's been one of the, the, I don't know, the negative things I think I would point out for the industry is that we still have those that are trying to make this as strong as they possibly can. There isn't there isn't you know, there's a market for, you know, 190 proof. There's a market for white lightning. Uh, but you know if you even if you go to some of the places in you know my my wife's family's from uh Tennessee and uh you know i i have consumed some you know backwoods made you know uh, uh products that show up you know i've driven down the street in a in a pickup truck and you go out and buy your box of of uh mason jars filled with you know white lightning and it's probably you know 200 proof you can put a match on that thing and it'll blow the whole truck up however very few people are drinking that every single day. Yes.
1: And that's in Montague, Colorado. I, I serve White Lightning at my holiday party in Seattle. So I have some of the glitterati of Seattle here, and I have two big mason jars of pure White Lightning, and people love it and have a great time. But people don't, people don't go to work. Don't, people don't take a shot of Everclear as they drive into work or as soon as they get home. Right. You've got, you know, that's a small bro culture that might take shots three or four nights a week, but not all the time. Most people want, you know, a glass of rosé. Oh, I'll have a little glass of Prosecco at lunch. But that's about
0: it. Yeah, or a little Chardonnay at lunch. Yeah, yeah. people are not looking to, to be blasted every time they take a hit. And that's why I think, you know, this industry has got to come back to sensibility and providing products that don't necessarily have to be 99% THC at the highest level or TACA at the highest level so that when you hit it, you know that you're going to get blasted and not be able to remember what you just did two seconds ago.
1: And that's why people drink beer and not Everclear as the number one intoxicant. Right, right, right. Because most people consider one beer like drinking
0: a glass of water. So how do we convince the, well, again, I was talking about that crystal ball. So now as we move forward in educating the masses and educating the masses that are providing the product, how do we get the industry to come into, you know, I've also thought about the fact that one of the biggest problems with this industry is that we don't seem to want to come together. You know, this is really about, you know, me besting you. Making sure I got something better than you, rather than understanding that we all got to be in this game at the same time. How do we hold more conventions and things? And I speak at a lot of them across the country. And, you know, I get standing ovations when I talk about the fact that we got to stop trying to stab each other in the back. Yet they will walk right out that back door and try to stab the guy next to them in the back. How do we start to get them to understand that we're all in this together? One, we have about five times
1: as many conventions as the alcohol. Industry, so we need to have less focus, more. But two, you you, once again going back to the statement, you have a lot of sommeliers out there. I get up. In fact, I had a big conversation Friday about this. I get hit up all the time by everyone who wants to be the Krug or the Tad and Jay of the industry. No one wants to be the Miller Lite, and I'm like the market wants Miller Lite. Everyone wants to be the best because they're madly in love with the plant and they feel the plant deserves that respect. Often that's how they use it. As you get more sophisticated product and retail people in, they actually see what the consumer wants and goes through there. You know, I, this person I was talking to Friday, I said, have you looked at data, like, no, but we know we're gonna have the best product. I'm like, have you go to the stores and talk about what sales because when I look at the data, what sales is mid-priced products that have a medium hit that people feel comfortable with and a esoteric name, like, you know,
0: whispering breeze. (laughs) Right. Right. Nobody's walking in the door saying, can you give me something that's going to knock me out for the next two days?
1: (laughs) And you know, they're not going in and buying Willie Nelson or uh, any of these other brands. They want a brand that reflects them, not something else.
0: Right. Absolutely. So again, I was talking about that crystal ball again, but you got, you said you got a lot of exciting new things about to happen. What else is new that's coming down the pipe for fresh stuff?
1: Well, I think you're going to see us grow. You're going to see us in a lot more places because we're going to expand out over the summer. So our goal is to be in 400 plus newspapers, you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year by the end of the summer, first part of the fall. So that'll be big. So you will see us everywhere. And then, so that's from the consumer facing side of the house. And then we're looking at doing some medical things. So you'll see us, our goal is, you know, come end of year, you'll see us in your doctor's office.
0: Gotcha. Absolutely. Well, my my goodness, JJ. Okay. If people wanted to get more
1: information, where do they go? They can go to the Fresh Toast and go to info at com. Or they could just, they could reach out to me, you know, as the publisher founder. So that's what we're doing. We don't give
0: recommendations though. Gotcha. Absolutely. Well, it's been really wonderful. I'm giving recommendations that everybody who's tuning in to let Blunt should be making sure that they tune in to the Fresh Toast. That's where you're going to get the best information. I rely on them often before I do a speech or I make sure I get an article so I can literally make sure that what I'm putting out to the public is valid information. I recommend that you reach out to Fresh Toast and get your information from there also if you need to. So thank you so much, JJ, for being here today, man. We'd love to have you back. So, if you get an opportunity, and uh, you know you got a little time in the future, I'd love to have you back just to have a nice, friendly conversation like the one we just had. Well, let's. Why don't we arrange
1: to come back around um, the election because we have we are working with another uh, nationally renowned mainstream organizations, and we will be at the Republican and Democratic presidential debates.
0: Absolutely. Well, okay. We will definitely reach out and maybe we can do some things together, you know, during that period of time and make sure people get the information they need and the truth that they need. Thank you so much, JJ, for being here today, man. Love you. And you know what you got to do as you tune into Let's Be Blunt. Keep tuning into Let's Be Blunt. I want to make sure you know that we still have a couple of our really special butter makers that we're giving away so you know go ahead and make sure you do the right thing click down there in the lower corner give us a review we look at your review and that's how we submit you to see if you can win one of the butter makers that we're going to give away so thank you so much for being a part of let's blunt tune in again thank you jj mckay and thank, thank you to you. The first talks, man. all right my brother be well Podcasts.